Happy Resurrection Sunday, amen. amen. God is so good. I've entitled this message, Overcoming the Grave. Overcoming the Grave, Do You Believe? Do You Believe? And we'll be speaking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ today. And some of the questions that we need to discuss to, and to really determine for ourselves, is Jesus the resurrected Savior of the world or not? And did he really die? And was he really resurrected? Or are these just uh, traditional religious type of uh, stories to keep uh, an ancient movement alive? And if Jesus is really, um, did he really resurrect? If he really resurrected, if he's really alive, do you believe this or not? And if this really happened, uh, what does this mean for us? And will you deny this truth, right? And what will happen to those who deny this truth as well? And I have two short uh, verses initially that I want to read that's packed with information on it as well. Jesus is speaking to his disciples in John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. And today he's also speaking to us. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And this question is for all of us to consider and really to ponder. Do you believe this? And if you do believe this, then what? What does this mean for you? And what does this mean for your future? And if you don't believe this, then what? What does it mean for you? And what does it mean for your future as well? The resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is a big deal. It's a life-changing event. The resurrection is a big deal. 1 John 5, 11 and 12 says, and this is the testimony, God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. And he who has the son has life. And he who does not have the son of God does not have life. If the resurrection of Christ did not happen, then this makes God out to be a liar. And and, and that's a problem for us. And if we're then following what I would say is a dead prophet and wasting much of our life and wasting much of our time in believing in him and promoting him. If he didn't uh, overcome the grave, then we're destined to hell and banished from his presence. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is a big deal. If it didn't happen, then our faith is hopeless and our future is bleak. But it did happen. Hallelujah. It did happen. And he did overcome the grave. And because of that, because he lives, we live as well. Do you believe this, church? Do you believe this? Let's pray. Father God, open up our hearts. Open up our minds, oh God. Let us be able to hear, Lord. Let us continue to stay in this atmosphere of worship. What, what glorious worship today, oh God. Let us stay in this atmosphere of worship, oh God. May we continue to just... Uh, understand more about who you are, God. If we get that right, if we can really grasp who you are, oh God, strongholds will be broken. Satan is already defeated, oh God. Now we as Christians, believers, need to need to understand that, that you are the God, that you are the resurrected Savior, oh God. And because you live, we can face tomorrow. Because you live, Lord, we can go on and carry on with hope and, and, and knowing, Lord God, that you are with us and that you are for us. Who can be against us? And so we are already victorious in you as we put our faith and trust in you and you alone. Bless all that's said and done today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. For many, Easter is about shopping and giving baskets of candy and coloring Easter eggs and egg hunts and, and enjoying jelly beans and Maybe and I've enjoyed too much of that in my life as well. It's about maybe chocolate and, and marshmallow bunnies as well and family and gathering with friends and, and, and eating a lot of food. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. There really is not uh, in moderation, I guess. There's nothing really wrong with that. And I would just say, enjoy those things. Enjoy those things. But listen, don't lose sight of what it's really about. It's about Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the resurrected King and Savior of the world. And we often call it Easter Sunday, but it's more fitting to say Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection Sunday because he lives and has conquered the grave. He has overcome the grave. He has overcome death. 
First Peter, and I'm going to have a lot of scripture verses. You might want to just jot some of them down and not even try to find it. But First Peter 1, 3, praise be to God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Has great, his great mercy has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And the grave is now empty. And Luke 24, 6 says, he's not there. He's alive. He's risen, it says. Remember how he told you that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of a sinful man. Be crucified on the third day. Be raised again. Romans 6, verse 9. We know that Christ is being raised from the dead. Will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. 1 Corinthians 6, 14. God and God raised the Lord and will also raise us up. By his power. And do you believe God has the power to raise the dead? Do you believe this? And 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57 says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now the Bible tells us that we have all sinned. Every one of us have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. And while many of us know or have heard the story about Adam and Eve, the first humans, the, the human who sinned, the humans who sinned against God and listened and obeyed a created creature instead of the creator God, the creator God, right? And we, we see this happening in the Bible. And when they did this, they sinned and they were separated from God and shame filled their hearts. And, and they never looked at each other Again, the same way again. And sin altered their mind. And sin altered their thinking. And so they had to hide from God. We often refer to this creature that deceived them as the devil or Satan. In fact, the Bible refers to him in many different names. The dragon and Lucifer and the accuser and other names. And when sin enters the world through man, through Adam, we all actually make the same similar decisions and, and mistakes and sins that he did and they did. They rejected God's words. They rejected God himself. And the Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. None of us are righteous. We have all sinned. Every one of us have sinned and the pain and the shame and the punishment of that sin is death and separation and banishment from a holy God. And nothing you can do can, can restore yourself and make things right. Between you and God. You can't do this on your own. But, but God demonstrated for us. Right? His own love for us in this. Yet, while yet we were sinners. He, Christ died for us. Now what's interesting. Many people have died for someone else. But, but no one else but God has the power to give life. The power of, to resurrect. The, and, 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 to, and to forgive someone of their sins. Only God has this power to forgive. Only God has this power to, to give life because he is life. Jesus is life and he is the life giver. So why did Jesus give up life, his life and die? Well, we know this passage of scripture, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. First Corinthians 15 verse 21 says, for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through man. And we know that it is through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who is the one who conquered the grave and conquered death. 100% God. He's 100% man. This is a mystery. This is a miracle. And yet it's true. Jesus overcame the grave. Jesus overcame the grave. Jesus is the resurrected Savior. Jesus is alive. And Romans 6, verse 8 through 11, the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Jesus overcame the grave. He is alive. And he gives life to anyone who believes in him, trusts him, and places their faith in him. Now, before we maybe go dive deeper into the cross and the resurrection, this idea of life and death is not really a new topic. In Job chapter 14, verse 14, Job says, if a man dies, will he live again? And this book of Job is one of the oldest written books in literature. 
and he poses this question maybe to himself or maybe he's speaking out loud in a sense or, or in his mind or he's speaking to others um, throughout his life. But he was definitely speaking to God as well. If a man dies, will he live again? And if we're truthful to ourselves, we really have these same questions throughout our life as well. And, ma and many of you have pondered these questions for yourself as well and wondered for yourself, is there really life after death? And if you have never pondered this before, well, now you, now you have this question posed before you. You're faced with the same question. If a, if a person dies, will he live again? Will she live again? Or maybe we can look at it from another direction here. If, if someone lives after he dies or she dies, where will he live? Where will he go? Who, what, who decides that, that fate? And for Job, he has a conclusion here that he, he renders. Jesus is, is life. And there is life after death. And why is that? Because Jesus is God who loves us greatly and is calling out us to himself. And so from this very early writing of Job, Job is placing his faith in God who calls out to his people and wants us to respond back to him, to answer him, to believe in him, right? Because he is God and he's going to cover up and remove all of our sins. And, and Job says, Job says in Job 19, all that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in rock forever. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet my flesh, I will see God in my flesh. I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. Job had such a great hope and faith that one day he will see the Lord face to face. That, that he will rise up from death. That he will, he will be resurrected and that one day he too will overcome the grave himself. David reveals this truth as well in Psalms chapter 49 verse 15 and says, But God will redeem my life from the grave. He will surely take me to himself. And the King James Version says it this way, But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Selah. Selah. Now I want to touch on this word Selah for a little bit. This word Selah has confused many scholars over the years and and for, for many reasons, it seems to be a musical expression and instruction calling for a break in the singing of the song. Selah is also a, a girl's name of, of, of Hebrew origin, meaning praise or pause. I was always taught growing up that it meant to take a break, to take a pause and reflect on what was just said. The Lord has the power over the grave. Selah, pause and reflect on that for a moment. After our death, those who are in Christ will be united with him one day. Selah, pause, ponder, reflect on this for a moment. Throughout the ages, the philosophies and philosophers and, and men and women, children of all ages have pondered many questions and considered this question. Is there life after death? Do we live again? And what's replaced in the grave? Do we live again? Is the resurrection of Christ, it's a mystery, maybe a myth, maybe miraculous? Selah. Pause and reflect on these things. And you know my answer, it's a, it's a mystery and it's miraculous. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Therefore, they're, a, they're spiritually alive. And, and after that, even though they're physically dead. Which means spiritually, they will dwell with God for eternity. And eventually, they will get a new glorious body as well. We can, we can hold on to the promises of God. One day, we will get a glorious body. But if this is all a myth, if this is all just happenstance, if this is all a myth, then we're deceived and we're lost. And the world, including us, really has no future, really has no hope. And if you think this is, this is a myth, then you're already lost because you have already rejected King Jesus. You already rejected the only one that is capable of saving you. The only one capable 
of giving you eternal life because Jesus Christ is the risen Messiah, the resurrected one of the world who gives life. But if you still don't believe this, right, because you can't get past the grave or you don't believe he's the resurrected one or anyone can be resurrected from the grave, then let me ask you this question or two. Do you believe it's impossible to be resurrected? Or you simply can't get past that Jesus is God, that Jesus is the Messiah? Selah. Now, in the book of John, chapter 11, we learn about a story of Lazarus and the power of the resurrection. Lazarus was very sick and he was facing death and he was a friend of Jesus and, and uh, Jesus and Lazarus were, were, were buds. And then we see that he also had two sisters. Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha, and they called for Jesus. And, and they knew and believed that if Jesus came, he would heal and save Lazarus. But after Jesus hearing about his friend and that he, how sick he was, he did not come right away to, to heal him. And so over time, Lazarus dies. <clears throat> and at times, church, this is so hard to understand and maybe for some to even get past the Lord in his perfect timing. His perfect timing sometimes heals on earth and sometimes heals in heaven. I would actually say all the time you're healed in heaven, right? But you understand what I'm saying. Sometimes it's happening on earth and it's always happening in heaven, all right? Um, for those who believe and trust the words of the Lord, for those who have made him Lord of their life. Now, in my earthly wisdom, if I had the power to heal our elder Harry and bring him back to life, I would have most certainly done that. But the Lord in his perfect wisdom had other plans for our beloved Harry, right? And while I know he's absolutely in a better place, I know that for sure, for my sake, for the sake of my family, for the sake of this church, I personally would have kept him along, kept him around much longer. Um, but I know he's in a, such a better place right now. And one day we will all be joined together, those who receive Jesus with, with our beloved Harry, because, because he lives, because we know the Lord lives. And we know that Harry trusted in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I, I don't want to go in that direction, but I will just for a little bit. Now in the hospital, the, the day that Harry died, my wife and I, we, we went over there and we prayed with him. And, and even though his body seemed to be so lifeless, and even though his daughter said, listen, he, there has been no activity for at least two days. The only thing that's keeping him alive is the ventilator. But I know we had a praying family, the church family was praying, and I know we prayed for him anyway, and, and Jennifer sang and played music uh, from her phone, and we both whispered prayers and, and words of faith over Harry directly into his ear, and we saw him starting to respond. We saw him start to awaken. And then his brother, uh, David, who lives in a different state, who's also a minister of God, also prayed over him via the phone, and during these times, the body again started to wake up even more. And we saw his hands starting to move and his blood pressure started to rise and his heart rate started to accelerate from, from about 42, 43 beats up to over 85 beats. And his eyes started to move and his eyes started to open when a medical professional uh, came in the room and said, it's just a reflex. It's just a reflex. He's really not alive. And yet they gave him more drugs and they gave him more uh, sedation and they gave him more morphine just to make him comfortable, just in case. So they could not even medically understand what was happening, but we know that he was hearing us. We know those that were in that room prior to that, they, you, we know he was responding. We know that he was fighting for his, his life. And while life ended that day after a long, long battle and struggle, He's going to be remembered for a man of God, a man of great faith, a man who loved crossroads, a man who loved uh, this, this church and the people of this church. He, he, he wants to see us flourish. He wants to see us operate and walk in the things of God. I had so many conversations with, with Harry. He loved everybody here and he just wants to see you grow in the knowledge and faith of Jesus Christ. But more importantly, he just wants us to know that he loved God. He believed in the resurrection uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wasn't fearful of dying. And he would tell you, Jesus lives. 
and, and has overcome the grave. And where he is right now, he would say, I'm in a wonderful place. I'm in such a beautiful place. I believe the words of scripture. Where it's, he, and he would just tell you it's amazing here. And he, and, and he would just say, don't, don't miss out. Harry would tell you, turn your hearts over to King Jesus. It is well with my soul. I'm truly in a better place. I believe he would tell us all that. Now in the story of Lazarus, Jesus comes to Bethany four days after Lazarus was in the grave. And by that time, the body would start to uh, decompose and start to smell. But the Lord was going to perform a great miracle right there in front of everyone to see. He was going to bring glory to God in the process. And Lazarus is going to come out of that grave. And, and Jesus tells Martha, your brother will rise again. And Martha answers, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, she says. Yes, Lord. I believe that you are Christ, the Son of God. He who was to come into the world. So Jesus then prays and says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people that are standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And I believe he said, Lazarus, come out. Because if he just said, come out of the grave, all these graves would have like opened up and people everywhere would have come out. Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out and his hands and feet were wrapped with stripes of, of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said, take off the grave clothes. Let him go. Free him. When Jesus comes, it's freeing. Amen. He is life and he is freeing. And death and the grave can't stop the work of God. Hallelujah. He created the world. He created us in the first place. And he knows our body. He knows how our body works. And he breathes life in us in the first place. And so he can do it again. He can do it again. Now Satan comes and, and, and steals and kills and destroys. And we know, we know this. But Jesus comes to give life. Yes. Hallelujah. He gives life to us now. And he gives us eternal life later to those who trust and believe in him. He awakens Lazarus. And he makes him whole again. Now, now there's really two types of, of death the way I see it. Where the soul is separated from the body. And where it's separated from God. For those who place their trust in God, we will eventually spend eternity with God. For those who do not believe and do not put their trust in God, you will be banished and separated from a holy God for all of eternity. The Bible says there will be gnashing of teeth. Don't think it's going to be a party in hell as some people teach. Oh, there's a party in hell. Let's go to it. You don't want to go there. It's a lake of fire. You don't want to go there. And it's going to be suffering forever by your choice. Especially knowing that you're going to be aware that you rejected him in your life. That you rejected the son of God while you were alive. He's calling out to you. He's trying to get your attention. He's warning you and warnings are coming. And he gave you a choice and you still rejected King Jesus. So you choose death instead of life. And then you complain when you get that choice that you chose. Banishment. Instead of being blessed and being with him and being with other saints of God for eternity. Now you might say, hey, pastor, this is this is radical talk or whatever you might say. But but it's, but it's simple. It's so simple. Yes, it might be radical. So what? We're not terrorists, by the way. It might be a radical thinking, but we're not terrorists. You don't have to worry about us. We, we love you. We want to see you prosper. We want to see you go Go forward in faith. We want to see people joyous and, and victorious in Christ Jesus. But the question seemed to be simple. Do you believe Jesus is the resurrected Savior or not? It's a simple question. Is he the Son of God or not? Did he overcome the grave or not? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? In other words, do you believe what the Lord says? Do you believe his words? It's so simple. And I'll just say this. If you don't, you're de you have depravity in your mind. When we're confronted with Jesus, 
Who is God? He's always asking us to respond to him. There's no middle ground. You believe or you don't. You receive his grace, his mercy and love or you don't. There is no maybe. There is no I wait. There is no middle ground. It's either yes or no. You either believe in him or you don't. You either receive him or you don't. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. You're either going to be with him for eternity or banished from his presence. In Mark 15, it was the third hour when they crucified Jesus. The written notice of the charge that was against him read, The king of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with Jesus. One on the left and one on his right. Those who passed by hurled insults at him. Shaking his head and saying, their heads and saying, So you are going to destroy the temple and, and build it in three days? Come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him. And, 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 and they mocked him among themselves. And they said, he saved others. But he can't save himself. And verse 32 of that scripture says, Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross. That we may see and believe. Those crucified him, crucified with him also, he insults on him. And I love this portion of scripture that says that they may see and believe. Now, I think that's the problem or a problem that we have in society, in this country, really around the world. Many people say we really don't know God. We really don't know. We, we really can't say if he was a resurrected or not. We weren't there, right? We weren't there. And if we were there, we might have a different story. If only we were there. We would all, if only we saw it with our own eyes, we, we would see and believe. But when we know he was a man, we know that he was a teacher, we know that he was a prophet, we know that he was a great healer, and we know so many things about this man Jesus. But God? That he was God? That, that he came back to life with his own power and resurrected himself? That he's the resurrected Savior? Well, we really don't know that. How can we know that? We weren't there. We, we couldn't see to know for sure with our own eyes. The truth is many, many, many were there and they still don't believe. And so you probably won't believe either. Through, through natural means and natural thinking, it's not going to get you there. Even if it's logical, even if it makes sense, even if it's clearly shown you, so many people will reject the truth. You get there not through natural means, you get there through spiritual means. You get there simply by placing your faith and trust in God. You trust his words. You trust what he was saying. You trust in him, the person. Jesus is a person. You trust him. In Romans 10, verse 16 through 18, it says, But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. But I ask you. Did, did they hear? Did they hear? Of course they did. The voice has gone out into all the world. The words to the ends of the world. And verse 21 says, But concerning Israel, he says, All day long I held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. And I would say to you today, Don't be disobedient to God. And don't become obstinate people. They heard him preach. They heard him speak. They heard him teach. They saw miracles. They saw the miraculous. They saw him also hanging on the cross too. And people passed by and people mocked him and they spit on him and they made fun of him. Even the Jewish religious people of the day, especially the Sadducees, you see, they didn't believe in the angels and they didn't believe in the resurrection. And then you have the Pharisees there. And they did believe in those things. They did believe. And yet they missed Christ in all of this. They missed the Messiah in all of this. And so the chief priests and teachers of the law, they mocked Jesus. They saw. They heard firsthand. They experienced God in so many ways. And yet they denied the truth of God as the resurrected king, as the resurrected savior. Because I think that means that they have to just admit they were wrong. That their thinking was messed up. That, that would mean they missed the mark. 
uh, that they sinned and they missed God in all of them. These were the religious leaders of the time. How could they miss God? And yet they did, so many of them. And so their sin, their shame, their pride, their stubbornness, their obstinate ways, so many of this caused them to miss God, caused them not to believe. So they made up lies and they made up excuses and they would not believe what happened. See, listen carefully. When you reject the truth of God, your mind starts to becoming depraved. It can lead you to all types of strongholds and evil. That's a whole nother teaching. We get saved, but we don't get delivered so often in our mind. And our mind is so filled with strongholds. We have to break those strongholds by giving us the truth of God's word. If you don't have the truth, your mind is depraved. Because even if you have truth, if you're not exercising it, if you're not filling your heart and mind with it, the strongholds are built up in your mind. That's a whole other teaching. Matthew 27 gives us some eyewitnesses accounts and information about those final moments of, of the breath of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 15, when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit, meaning he died. At that very moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were, were split. The tombs opened up and the bodies of many holy people who have died was raised to life. Meaning they were uh, resurrected. This is a mystery for sure. Uh, to why this all happened. In verse 53. They came out of the tombs. And after Jesus' Jesus's resurrection. They went into the holy city. And appeared to many people. So these dead people are now alive. These dead people are now in a sense resurrected. And running around. And they hung around for several days. This is unexplainable. And yet it's so true. And history records it. And when the centurion and those uh, with him were guarding him. Jesus saw, Jesus saw the um, guarding Jesus saw the earthquakes and all that happened. They were terrified, and they ex exclaimed, "Surely, he was the Son of God." When you are confronted with the Lord, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, the question still stands: Do you believe this or not? Do you believe this or not? The Roman guards and other people that are around said, surely this was the Son of God. And I would say to you today, surely this is the Son of God. And the evidence is so clear. Now three days later, the grave uh, would become empty. And Matthew 28, verse 5 through 6, the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He, is the, he is, has risen just as he said. Come see the place where he lay. And Luke 24, 6 through 7 says, Remember how he told you, while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day, rise, be raised again. Now Luke is one of my favorite authors of, uh, writers of the Bible, I should say. And he's known for writing the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And here's a fun fact, if you want a fun fact. Um, when you when you look at when you add up all the words, which I did not do, I took it from someone else. But when you add up all the words in the book of Luke and Acts, and you compare it to all of Paul's writings, which I believe were thirteen books in the New Testament, Luke actually uses more words than Paul. I think that's an interesting fact. But for me, my love for Luke and, and the book of Luke and Acts goes way past that. Luke was a historian. Luke was an evangelist. Luke was a missionary. He was a highly educated person. He was a doctor and thoroughly investigated much of this. His writings was to the Gentile audience. His goal and purpose was to give us the truth about Christ and his life, his burial, his resurrection, to give us the plan of salvation and tell us about the moves of the Holy Spirit. Two great books, so powerful. And I believe he accomplished what he set out to do. In Luke chapter 1, starts off by saying, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seems good also to me to write an orderly account for you. Why? So that you may know that certain, the certainty of the things that you have been taught. We can know the certainty... Of the things that we have been taught. We can know for sure. We can have certainty in these words that, that are recorded for us. And why is this important? 
Don't take the fact that Jesus overcomes the grave lightly. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. If life exists after death, this is a big deal. Wouldn't it be nice to know? Wouldn't it be nice to know? And God's words say we can know for certain. Christ is alive, overcomes the grave. Many people have resolved themselves not to know. Many people have resolved themselves not to read the word of God. Many people have resolved themselves not to know the truth of the resurrection. They believe when they die, they die. They believe when they die, nothing happens. They believe when they die, they just go to sleep and they never wake up again. But what happens if you're wrong? What happens if you do wake up? What happens if you simply leave this earth and time and space and end up somewhere else? Then knowing this truth and knowing where you would end up is a very big deal. You should know. You should want to know. You should spend time trying to know. Where will I end up for eternity? And some people believe they'll just go back into the ground and the earth. Become dirt and dust again. Man, that's, that's a depraved way of thinking. That's it? All of this just to that? But if there's life after death, that's a big deal to know. And to know where you're going. And to know with certainty that there's life. And to know where you're going to spend eternity. That's a big deal. So Easter should go beyond food and fun and family and friends and candy and treats and little bunnies and acorns and all these other things. It's about Jesus, the Messiah, the resurrected Savior. He is alive. He is the life giver. He is life himself. Amen. Can we give him a praise all He's worthy of our praise, church. He's worthy of our praise. So while on Good Friday we remember the death, his death on a cross, today we celebrate his resurrection, the resurrected Savior. He is alive, and we rejoice in that. And while Good Friday was horrific, uh, it was a horrific time, the beating that took place, right? The pain of the cross. The, the scourging, the, the, the suffering that our Savior had to go through. And we know it wasn't in vain because he is resurrected. But he needed, he needed to go through the cross and he needed to die before he's resurrected, right? And so we remember that great sacrifice that he took. And we'll remember that also when we go and take communion in a little bit. And we rejoice now because it's finished. Because he conquered the grave and death. He's victorious over sin and the grave. And so his resurrection proves that his, his words are true. His resurrection proves that he will return for us. Why? Because we can know and we can trust his words. He came to seek and save us. He came to set us free from death and from Satan's strongholds. And through the cross, through his burial, his death, burial, and resurrection, he has accomplished all this for us. And 1 Corinthians 15, beginning at verse 3, says, For what I have received, I pass on to you as First importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised up on the third day according to scripture. That he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve after that. He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time and most of them who are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me as to one abnormally born. We can know for certain. We can know for certain the things that have happened. Several hundred people saw him. There was eyewitnesses to this fact. People who were still living at the very time that Jesus was resurrected. The fact of the resurrection is undeniable. In fact, most people, if, if they were being honest, know that Jesus' execution is proven historically. And not believing this today is, is not believing in in say the Holocaust, that hey, the Holocaust has never happened. That would be disingenuine. That would be ridiculous and dishonest. The fact is, Jesus went to the cross and died, and history reveals the truth as well as the Bible. And and this fact has been thoroughly investigated and documented. And so so now what do we do with this fact? What do we do with the resurrection of, of Christ that has been so well documented? Hundreds of eyewitnesses and, and many people choose to suffer and have persecution and pain uh, and have a painful death. Why? For a lie? Why do this? Why would they do such, such a thing? Over a lie they would do this? In a sense, this makes no sense. But we also do know that people have died for a cause. 
And we see that in the papers, and we know that people have committed suicide for all types of crazy reasons. And so we see people giving up their life for a cause. But I think there's a difference here in what's happening. I think there's a difference here. That today many people have given up their lives for something that has just not been proven. Or something that's not been documented. Maybe it's based on religious, uh, a religious idea or, or tradition. But they're unable to, to awaken themselves. They're unable right, to back up, to bring themselves back to life. They're powerless in themselves to resurrect themselves. They're powerless in themselves to overcome the grave. Jesus, on the other hand, Jesus is God. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is life, right? Jesus is a real person. Jesus really lived and walked the earth. Jesus really did die and he really was resurrected and he really has the power to overcome the grave and to give life, right? That is a fact. And with that being said, he's a, hundreds and hundreds of people were living during this time. They saw it. They experienced it. They documented it. So how can anyone explain away this truth? They make up lies. They deny the truth. Because if not, they're going to have to say, I was wrong. I was wrong. Right? I, 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 I didn't believe it. If he lived after he died, if he had the power to conquer the grave, if he had the power to bring himself back to life, he's really God. He's really the only begotten Son of God. For these lies to take place, there would need to be a bunch of people that had power and influence and willing to promote a bunch of lies. So let me quickly just say this. No, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I'm going to say it anyway. The fake, fake news and controlling the news outlets like we see happening today with Facebook and Twitter and other big uh, tech companies. It's not a new thing and it's not a Trump thing either. This has been spoken about for thousands of years. People have been doing this. They, they have been empowered and they control with their power. They control the news. They control the, the talking points. We see this. So why, what do they have to gain by doing this? What do they have to gain by silencing the truth? What do they have to gain by, by, by being quiet or making other people not, not know the truth? They keep their power. They keep their influence. They, they, they keep their power over your position. And so they want to control people and they want to take away their hope. In many ways, I believe this is demonic yes. and this is sinful. They say he really didn't rise. He really wasn't resurrected. So let's visit some of the facts about his death and his resurrection. Okay, so you have Roman soldiers, right? They're on the scene. They were expert in pain. They were expert in killing. And many people would never make it to the cross. Why? Because they died before they even got there. The Romans were, were, were experts in scourging. And it was so brutal. They would whip. They would take a whip and they would have all this this metal and glass and all this bones in it and it would dig deep into the flesh and when they pulled back it would rip out muscles and tissue it was brutal so many people would die just in the scourging in Jesus case after the scourging and after the massive massive much of, 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 of blood that has been lost they, they nail him to a cross and eventually he will die there and to ensure that he's really dead, a Roman soldier takes a spear and puts it through his side, and blood and water comes out, indicating that he's truly dead. And doctors have explained this away by calling this a, a hemothorax. Jesus was dead. He was really dead. And then they close him up in, in a tomb for three days, and they seal it up. They place guards around it. Then they try to say to the disciples, right? And others, the disciples stole him. Really? Those soldiers guarding him would have been killed or severely punished for losing their prisoner? I mean, they were experts in what they did, right? And so I guess they just walked away or they fell asleep or something like that. Or they just closed their eyes and they let these disciples come back and move these large stones on their own. And nobody saw it. And nobody was there to witness it. Does that make sense to you? That doesn't make sense to me. These soldiers would say they were asleep and they didn't see anything. And they hoped for a lesser punishment, a lesser penalty. 
To me, it seems like they took the money, a bribe, to keep them quiet. To say I, the body was stolen, that Jesus was not dead, was still dead. That makes more sense to me. We know the tomb is empty, and the people and the eyewitnesses knew that and said and saw that. So we also know that so many governments and officials try to cover up lies. We know that. And we, we actually see governments and other media outlets lie. And we see that in our generation as well. And that happens thousands of years ago. But the people knew. The people knew. The people who were there knew that Jesus was alive. Now let me just, let's talk about Paul for a moment. He's highly educated. He's more educated than most people of the day. He knew so many languages, right? A Pharisee of Pharisees, top in his class, most zealous for God at that time, hated Christians. In Acts chapter 9, his name, they used his name as Saul, which was later going to be changed to Paul. But we see that Saul at that time was, was, was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, against the church. And he had many Christians killed or punished or thrown in jail. And he now seems to just randomly change his mind and become an enemy of the state. An enemy of his friends and his family and teachers and synagogue. That makes no sense to me. Why would he do that? Unless he had a radical transformation of his heart. If he had something supernatural took place, he met Jesus. A supernatural Damascus Road experience and he was transformed by the power of God and totally convinced him now that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is the resurrected Savior, that Jesus was the one that he was persecuting. And from that time on, he started living for King Jesus like never before and promoted the gospel message and Christianity even with more zeal and passion than he did prior to the Damascus Road experience. Now, if Paul and hundreds of documented eyewitnesses during that time uh, doesn't make you think about this or, or, or realize the truth of the resurrection, I'm not sure what will. But let me just say this. What about James, the half-brother of Jesus? Maybe this will help you process a little bit more. 1 Corinthians 15 says James was an eyewitness of the Lord's resurrection. Now, initially, James was skeptical about his own brother. But later, we, he sees him walking, and he sees him talking, and he, and he sees him alive, and he sees him uh, in, in, in doing so many things back after the resurrection. And so everything now changes for James, right? He goes on to become a believer. He goes on to being one of the main leaders in, in the early church. This is a radical change for James. Imagine for a moment that your younger brother, right, that you hung out with, and maybe you even changed his his pamper or diapers or whatever it had been back then, right? 30 years you've been hanging out with him. Now he's the resurrected Savior. Now he's back to life. That is a radical change in your heart and your mindset. And now you're living for King Jesus. We can speak about the women who were there at the gravesite, the eyewitnesses that experienced the testimonies of the guards as well. So many things. But at the end of the day, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe this? This is what it comes down to. Simple faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Many of the religious people of the day could not deny Christ's power and authority. They could not deny the resurrection. They could not deny. They could not deny all the evidence. The evidence was overwhelming and really leaves no room for doubt. And let me say this too. If you can take any literature, any literary work and believe in its authenticity and then compare it to the Bible, which has so much information and, and validations over the years. There's no doubt that the Bible's writings for that time period and stuff was authentic. And the only reason one why would one would deny the truth and the validity is because someone had an agenda. They cannot possibly believe because believing meant that you were responsible to respond. It meant they were wrong. It meant they would now be accountable to someone higher than them, a higher authority than themselves. And this would require action on their part uh, to believe, to conform, to obey the teaching of Christ Jesus over their own teaching, to obey God's authority over their own authority. And this is what we are still faced with 
today to answer the question, do we believe in God? Do we believe in the resurrected Savior? Do we believe Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus has overcome the grave. He's alive. Scripture reveals this truth. History reveals this truth. But the question still is, will you believe this truth? And respond by inviting him into your heart if you've never done that before. We know that Jesus is now seated at the right hand of Father God, praying for us, praying for me, praying for you, praying for those that are watching from afar. He wants you to become part of his family. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to be with Him for eternity and spend eternity with Him. Why? Because He loves you. We know, I said, I think I said this earlier, John 3, 16, For God loves the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life, have eternal life. And verse 16 and 18 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through Him will be saved. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. And that's Jesus, the Messiah. Romans 6, 9. Now if we die with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that, that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. Paul says in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ in the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow to obtain to the resurrection from the dead. I want you to know this church, there's a cost for believing in God and believing in the story. Persecution, trials, tribulations, being hated by the world, being mobbed. There's a real cost. For following Christ and believing in Christ. Your life will be different. You will start to make new decisions. You will, you will stop living like the world. And so some people will leave you. Some people will not be your friend anymore. They'll make fun of you. But there's also a great reward for it as well. For those who are moved and motivated and believe and receive in the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll gain eternal life. Amen. You will live with Him forever. And ever. You'll gain access to God. You'll gain access to the kingdom of God. You will one day be resurrected as well. And you will gain a glorified body with God. Where there will be no more pain. And no more shame. And no more sickness. And no more hurting. Right? And God will, is going to throw you a wonderful party in heaven as well. We know that. And you will dwell with him for all eternity. And on earth. On earth he will give you power. On earth he will give you authority. On earth, He will give you the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to, to help you, to guide you, to walk with you, to come alongside of you. The Paracleto, to come with you alongside of you, right? To help you combat sin and forgive you of your sin. Now, maybe you're simply comfortable where you're at or you're complacent in your life. That you have no need for Jesus. You have no need for a change. Maybe you think you're smarter and wiser than God, than Paul, than, than James, or even the hundreds of eyewitnesses. Or maybe you become so familiar with these stories, you don't even hear them anymore when they're proclaimed. You refuse to make a decision or take a step of faith towards King Jesus. Maybe it's because you are stuck in religion, you're stuck in tradition, or simply you just won't believe what you can't see, or you can't see what is right before you, just look at creation. See the majesty of God, our creator. That alone should open up your heart and mind. Look at the scripture, the holy scriptures, and how everything's just woven together so beautifully. Thousands of years of prophecy and everyone is coming to be. That should open up your heart and mind to hear from Jesus. But regardless, Jesus' question still demands an answer. Do you believe? That he is the resurrected Savior. Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus overcame the grave? Do you believe? Do you believe this? And if you say yes. Yes I believe in him. Then you need to take the next steps of faith towards him. And receive him as your Lord and Savior. And if you say no. After all this. I still don't believe. I won't change. We're going to pray for your soul. We're going to pray for your soul. And pray that God keeps you alive long enough. That, that his mercy and love keeps you alive long enough for you to receive him. Amen. 
Because after you die, it's too late, church. It's too late. It's too late. After you die and your body goes in that grave and you start to decay and rot away, it's too late to receive Jesus. But you need to know there's life after death. But for you who reject him, it's too late. It's too late to change your heart and mind once you die. And then you'll be banished from God's presence by your own choice and decision to deny him and reject him. And I know these words can be hard, but they're really in love. Yeah. We're, trying to, we're trying to move you towards Christ. We're trying to move you away from hell and the lake of fire and point you to Christ. Yes. So now's the time. Now's the time to believe and receive Jesus. And I'm going to just take another moment before we go to communion and close with this. The Bible says that if anyone confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. So examine your heart, repent for your sins and just speak to God from your heart. And while saints of God, you were praying and starting to pray and, and praying for hearts to be open to receive Jesus Christ and others start examining their own hearts and repenting for your sins. That's what we need to do, church, especially before in a moment we take communion. We examine our hearts and we repent for our sins. But maybe today you want to invite Jesus into your life. Maybe there's someone listening at home. That wants to receive Jesus. When Jesus says I am the resurrection. And the life. He who believes in me will live. Even though he dies. And whoever lives and, and believes in me. Will never die. Do you believe this? And so you have taken your Selah moment right now. You have paused. And you have reflected on these words. And now you're ready by the power of God. And through faith to receive Jesus. If that's you. We're just going to take a moment. Whether here or at home or listening. Just say the simple prayer. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe Jesus is God and I believe he died for my sins. And now he's alive and now he's seated at the right hand of Father God praying, praying for me. And he will forgive me of my sins. I ask you, Lord, forgive me of my sins and, and be the Lord and master of my life. I give you my life. I give you my life. And now I want to live for you forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed this today or something like this today, that's awesome. And we welcome you into the family of God. We welcome you into the family of God. But know this. Be sure to tell somebody about it today. Go tell your loved ones. Go tell your family and friends that you are a Christian now. You're born again and believer. They will hold you accountable. Even if they don't believe, they will still hold you accountable. That you made this decision. Now come see myself and my wife and some other leaders here today. Uh, or contact us out on online. We want to help you with your next steps. We want to pray with you and for you. And now as a family member of God. If you receive Jesus. Even now. Just now. You are now immediately a child of God. You don't have to work your way up. In, in, into some kind of hierarchy. Immediately saved. Immediately set free. Immediately a child of God. And now. You're able to partake in communion with the family of God. We do this in remembrance of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Anyone who believes in Jesus and considers himself a Christian, even if that happened just a second, you can partake in this very holy, special moment. Now, let me just say this for those who might be watching at home as well. Most of us here are Christians today. If you're not a Christian, we ask you not to participate in this, in this moment. Or if you just have a hardened heart and you just cannot or choose not to repent and ask God to forgive you, then you too should not really take communion as well. Holy communion is a, it's a special time. Uh, the Bible gives us very strict instructions and warning about taking communion in an unworthy manner. Remember, it's not about you. And it's not about what you have done. It's about what he Amen. has done. Amen. Amen. And what he's done in your past, what he's done in your presence, and what he's going to do in your future. None of us is good enough. None of us can remove our own uh, shame and sin stain. None of us can save ourselves. None of us are powerful enough. It's only because of what Christ has done on and through the cross. It's because of His power, because of His authority, because of who He is. He is God. And because of that, we place our, we place our faith and trust in Him alone. And when we do that, by His grace, through His grace, we are saved. And so let me just bless this bread now. And just another few moments here. We're, gonna, we're going to bless this bread. Um, and then we'll eat together. 
and then I will bless the juice and then we'll partake together. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. This bread, symbolic of his body that was broken and bruised on the cross. Symbolic, symbolic. We're not eating flesh. We're eating bread. That's what we we teach you. And I hope you teach that as well. Father God, we ask you to bless this bread. Oh Lord, bless this time, oh God. Fill this room with your presence, oh Lord. Fill it, oh God. Let people feel the resurrected Savior and the embrace. Hallelujah. Bless this bread in Jesus' name. Amen. And when he's given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. This is juice. We're not going to get into whether it should be wine or not. Let's not divide over some of these lesser important things. We're just serving juice. So all can partake in this. Unless you have an allergy, then. You have to do what you need to do, but most people can take juice. Again, symbolic of his blood. Symbolic of his blood. His blood that stained that cross. It was a mess, church. What he did was a mess. People saw it, they could not even recognize him. It was horrific. Scourging was horrific cross was brutal and yet he did this for us he did this for every one of us so that we would be with him for eternity for those who put their trust in him lord we just thank you we thank you for this church that the bride we thank you for the people of god we thank you lord that this church still comes together in one mind in unity lord as a family oh god lord and i know there's ups and downs and all around when you when you close on to on with people, oh God, but, but Lord, you have called us to be the Ecclesia, the called, called out ones to, to come out and to come together, and, and we're doing that, and we're honoring you today, oh God, and we, Lord, want to remember what you've done on the cross, oh God, and so now we gather together as one in one body, oh God, believing in the cross, believing in your resurrection, and we know that you spilled your blood for us and there's healing and power in the blood of the lamb oh god we know lord god that those many many years of animal sacrifices lord is done you are the high priest you are the lamb that was slain once and for all that work is finished no longer does another animal need to be killed for the redemption of man's sins and and, and shame you've took it all on the cross you've taken it all away for us and you shed your blood for us and now there's healing and power through it. Bless this juice in Jesus' name. Amen. In the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is my new covenant in my, in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Hallelujah. Would you stand with us, please? You are always fighting for us, heaven's angels all around. By the light is found the only that you wear the victor's crown. You're my help when I defend. You're my savior and my friend. By your grace I live and breathe to worship you. Every grace, in the name I will bow. 
Amen and amen.